Welcome to the St. Leonard's Spotlight Podcast. Our goal is to share information with parents at home and abroad, which you can listen to whenever and wherever. Please do subscribe and follow to receive alerts of new episodes. Welcome everybody to the St. Leonard's Spotlight Podcast. We're back for another session with Eugene. Good morning. Good afternoon, actually. Yeah, good right? afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Now, again, some context as we like to do at the start. Eugene was in a couple of weeks ago, was it? Just two weeks ago. Two weeks yeah. ago. And we had a really enthusiastic and exciting session with a group of parents discussing, I suppose, what, what Eugene likes to class as the modern childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more about the, the negative aspects of modern childhood than the positive, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, kind of thinking about how it's impacting upon, actually it's impacting upon children's mental health and well-being, yeah. Definitely. So our, yeah, our hope today is to share some of the key points that came out of that session and I suppose some of the key points raised by parents as mm-hmm. well. There was a really good mm-hmm. bit of discussion in there. I thought there was. I was really pleased. Yeah, yeah, there was. And I guess that's the point behind, behind these kind of meetings, isn't it? It's not to... It's not to preach or to kind of come in and, and kind of try and educate folk. It's more to kind of understand what, what we're all facing as parents, as student leaders, as kind of teachers, as adults and, and as young people themselves, you know. So again, back to that complete transparency about sharing what we're all thinking, you know, and, and seeing how we move forward positively. So yeah. Definitely. So, I mean, I suppose in terms of the format that we had in the evening, Eugene led a, a bit of a chat about, I suppose, what your perception is and what the, the evidence is showing us. And I don't know if you want to give us a bit of a... Yeah. I'll run through some of those key points now. Yeah, that yeah, I guess that, that feels timely. I suppose, so, as we'd established in the last kind of podcast, I work within Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services, and um, I've been doing that for quite a wee while now. And over the years, I've noticed a, a significant deterioration, actually, in, in the general kind of sense of well-being that, that young people are experiencing. Young people are, are less resilient, and again, I'm generalising here, but less resilient than populations before them, you know. Um, less able to problem-solve when it comes to emotional regulation and kind of issues like that. And more affected by social pressures than ever before. Now, all these things definitely existed. You know, we can go right back to kind of Shakespearean kind of um, 400 years ago when he talks about adolescence, you know, he identifies that it's a tricky time, <laughs> pretty chaotic time. I get that. It's always yeah, been children around. haven't changed. Technology has. Exactly. And that's so when I talk about modern childhood, I'm not, we're not talking about the children themselves. I think we're talking about the, the things that are influencing and kind of impacting on them. So again, there's one thing to notice these things and we can all notice that young people tend to be addicted to screens. We can all notice that young people tend to be kind of, you know, um, getting something from Facebook, getting something from gaming activity. But for me, I feel a moral obligation. It feels as if we've gone beyond the point where we can just notice anymore, Andy. You know, I think we, I think we need to respond and react. Yeah, and we're um, we're the same point in school. Uh, you know, we go down and we, we, we created that space a few years ago called the Leonard, yes. which is meant to be a social space. The pupils were crying out for it. But if yeah. you walk in now, there's a sea of students sat yeah. on their phones yeah. and it's sad. And again, you know, we're looking at how best we go forward with that yeah, as a school. Yeah, But I suppose, yeah, we're in terms of what we understand about that now, we know more now than we've ever done before. So fortunately in the past couple of years, there's been lots and lots of research going into this and we know why, not just young people, but we know why adults as well as young people are addicted to their phones. You know, why, why we all feel the need to kind of check Facebook, why we all feel particularly pleased when we get a like because of a selfie we've posted or something, you know, <laughs> that we put up there. We know more about that. I suppose we could move on to that in a minute. But we also know the really frightening stuff that's coming out now as well is that, you know, these actually diagnosable mental illnesses as a result of kind of excessive screen use and as a result of kind of gaming and social media, you know, and that that for me is where we really need to sit up and pay attention. So I'm not coming at this as some kind of ridiculous Puritan. You know, I'm not a Luddite. I have my phone. We're using Eugene's favourite word, everybody, is Luddite. I should <laughs> well, say Well, it this. is. It, you know, I just, I suppose, I worry that I sometimes come across as, as you know, someone from kind of uh, 300 years ago. 
I'm up with it. I get it. You know, right now we're able to kind of use this this technology to create this podcast, and that's a wonderful thing. But I think we've we've accelerated much too quickly for our little brains to comprehend. You know. And that, that for me is the kind of worrying bit. So again, on the night when we, we kind of met with the parents, some of the stuff we discussed was the most recent research, a lot of it coming from Tel Aviv University, but um, indicating that, like I said, we've got these new diagnosable mental illnesses and that's phenomenal, you know, and, and they're all related to kind of this this increased technological use. So we have internet psychosis, um, an actual an actual diagnosis where someone is spending so much time on the internet and in kind of the disconnected kind of virtual world that they find it impossible to reconnect in the real world and they're pushing for this to become recognised in the kind of DSM Diagnostic Statistics Manual that's that's really worrying you know that that we're able to see now that the longer someone spends um, on the virtual world the the greater the impact it's having upon their, their mental health their emotional health and well-being and their ability to connect to humanity we've also got game transfer phenomena and again, a very, very sad kind of um, acknowledgement, but I, again, pushing for this to become a recognised, diagnosable mental illness. And this is applicable to lots of the young people across the world who've engaged in, in kind of horrific crimes, you know, in terms of kind of going into schools and kind of shooting and such like behaviours that can in no way be condoned. But I think the psychologists who've met with these young people now are realising that actually they spend a, a lot of their time virtually shooting things up, feeling like they're going to get attacked, you know, wondering when they're going to get sniped, all that kind of stuff. And actually their their ability to then transfer that into the real world is really blurred. So there's that fear so, of normalisation, I suppose, of certain types of behaviours for them. Absolutely. You know, it's just, and, and again, it's just they, they, because they've spent so much time locked into that kind of imaginative virtual world, they, they can't. They can't distinguish in terms of boundaries. So for them, it's, I don't want to say easy because it sounds like I'm minimising that, but for them, you can see why they can rationalise that I'm going to go and do the same thing in a kind of school corridor. Really quite worrying. And then again, we've got game-induced psychosis. So a bit like kind of um, internet psychosis. Young people who spend so much time in the virtual world that that becomes their reality. I've seen this one in reality. I've, I've met a couple of young people here in Fife who, when I walk into the room and they look at me, they look at me like I'm the hallucination. <laughs> and then they turn back to their reality. You know, it's a, it has a massive impact upon mental health, you know, low mood, kind of just, yeah, almost kind of psychotic like features, you know. So it's something we need to step away from. Um, what came up as well in a, in a conversation with the parents, quite rightly so, was, you know, well, not all young people engage in gaming, you know, it's a particular kind of niche and I get that. But social media come up, um, which is a really contentious issue in some respects, because we all seem to use it, you know. Um, I guess we're using it to advertise this. Yeah, and again, interestingly, I think across the board, the parents, they all had something that they were concerned about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was some element that they had a real concern that, yeah, my, you know, if I try and take my phone from my child for two hours. Yeah, yeah. We have a meltdown. Yep. And actually that, you know, to those parents, and understandably, that's quite worrying because <clears> the reaction does not seem appropriate to, to what's being asked. It doesn't seem appropriate. But again, what we now know is how addictive these devices yes. are. And we know that, you know, multi-billion industries, you know, kind of, well, you know, many um, products are out there. But one particular product is probably the most common in terms of kind of smartphone use, worth $1 trillion. You know that? So there's big money in this. Um, and the big money comes from getting people addicted to your product in some respects. Um, and again, not a Luddite. Um, should I repeat myself again? <laughs> you know, I've got these products, but I suppose my brain is slightly more mature than it was as an adolescent. And what we're talking about here is children who are much more vulnerable and adolescents who would already identify are kind of going through that brain transformation. 
And for them, the dopamine release that they get from a like on Facebook or a kill on Call of Duty, it's what they're after. We know that they're seeking that kind of dopamine release. Um, and unfortunately, these products supply them, you know. So these products, which are supplied by us, are the first things to our children, you know. So again, hence the meltdown, because we're taking away something that they're literally, whether they realise it or not, they're actually addicted to. Yeah, know? I mean, I, I would question as well to any parent listening, if you find that your phone's not where you expect it to be, you look for it in your pocket and How it's not there. Feel? How do we feel? Do we get yeah. a little bit uncomfortable? Do we feel yeah. a little bit nervous? I mean, I, I think I, before we did that session two weeks ago, yeah. I, I was on my own waiting and I automatically took my phone out mm. to mm. pass the time rather yeah. than yeah. doing something else. Yeah. It was just an automatic reaction. And again, at that moment, I was thinking to myself, well, why did I choose to do that? Mm. And potentially, if our young people are doing that, what are they missing out on? Absolutely. I think, again, slight anecdote, but I mentioned kind of when we met that I, I was called for jury duty just last year. Um, and for me, that's a really exciting opportunity. You know, it's kind of it's something that uh, most nor- most people don't normally get to do. Anyway, the jury was selected. I was kind of part of it. We, we got shepherded into a room. So it was an opportunity to meet with 11 or 12 other adults, different ethnicities, genders, backgrounds. I was really excited about that. But within moments, everyone had gone in, sat around a table and pulled out their phone and this deathly silence ensued, including me. You know, I kind of know this stuff, I read about it, but I also felt obliged to kind of, you know, to not engage socially. So I had a real missed opportunity. So again, we're not just talking about children. No, not This at all. has become a, a kind of cultural phenomena um, that we need not to accept. We need to kind of challenge moving forward, you know. Yeah, and again... You know, we've discussed it, the, the issue that if we feel this way just now, mm-hmm. but we actually had maybe childhoods where this wasn't. Yeah. So our, our generation is the kind of one that I think is kind of viewed as the ones that can span it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't have technology, so we developed a whole load of social skills. Yeah. And now that we have technology, we're quite capable with it. Yeah. We're able to use it well, yeah. and yeah. it is a very productive part of what we do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for our young people, yeah. what potentially are they missing yeah. by that time? So rather than engaging with someone, they take the phone out. Yeah. And again, for me, I think I mentioned it at the session, you know, I don't very often deal with children falling out and mm-hmm. having a scrap in the mm-hmm. in the playground anymore. No, no. I, you know, they're kind of moaning about whose clash of clans is better, yeah. or something quite kind of irrelevant, or who's got the most streaks. Yeah. And again, how many of these little moments that actually build a well-rounded, emotionally intelligent adult? Mm-hmm are potentially being avoided by playing with technology. And that for me is where we need to sit up and pay attention. Again, we're not talking about taking everything away, but we need to get the balance right. And we need to interject with those kind of, you know, traditional kind of opportunities. Um, we're not encouraging all children to fight. <laughs> but and that's is, not what I'm saying, no, folks. Know, <laughs> but, you know, there's something in that, isn't there? You know, that kind of reference to, you know, in the past, um, not that we're sounding like two old blokes, are they? There's two a risk of that, but, you yeah. know, yeah, two old Luddites. But there is something about people... People in the past had more opportunities to engage in behaviour that developed resilience. So difficult situations that you have to neg- negotiate, you have to negate, you have to problem solve, you have to work it out. Um, and then you learn from that. That's what resilience is. Conflict Th- resolution. This you know? is how I'm going to be a stronger individual. This is how I'm going to be more rounded. And the more time our young people spend locked into kind of screen use, kind of game and social media, whatever, the less opportunity they have to develop their resilience. And again, I'm convinced that's a, a huge part of why we're seeing an increase of referrals, not just to child and adolescent mental health, but, you know, why schools are seeing more issues, more kind of difficulties, and why conflict resolution is much more serious than before because they don't have that skill set themselves, you know? Definitely something we need to work on. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting because, you know, I think there was, my wife and I were out on holiday not that long ago, but we watched the table, and I think there was a two or three-year-old 
But at the table, they were just given an iPad <clears> as the adults had a meal. So there was no interaction. But again, that's a key point. You know, if you watch any wildlife program, yeah. the young learn by watching the, and then mimicking what the adults are doing or trying to engage and getting yeah. it wrong. Yeah. But again, there's, there's times, I think, through technology, and that's across a lot of ages, mm-hmm. not just adolescence and the mm-hmm. teenagers, mm-hmm. but really early on, actually, we're, we're giving them an opt-out. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. I think previously parents would have, would have had to engage the three-year-old mm-hmm. or else they would have been incredibly annoying and ruined the day. But... If you engage them in a proper way, they learn good social skills. Oh, absolutely. I get some frightening statistics. And again, these are just, you know, they're worth kind of investigating and finding your own statistics in some respects. But stuff I've read recently about currently in America, and this is not an anti-America thing, it's just a statistic I'm aware of. Up to 90% of children beyond the age of two are given a screen on a regular basis. So, that, you know, from the age of two upwards, 90% of the population are looking at screens in more unhealthy a manner than they should be and you kind of think well what does that generation look like in the future because again back to why we're having this conversation what are we seeing at the minute we're seeing young people getting referred to services like mine where people suspect they're autistic as an example autism clearly exists lots of people are on the spectrum arguably everyone's on the spectrum you know kind of to some degree but this influx of he or she's autistic an actual fact Andy what I find is I'll meet with young people and I'll realize that they're not autistic they're socially inept and de-skilled so what does autism look like? Very poor eye contact, of course, because they're used to staring at screens. They're not used to that human interaction and they become intimidated by it. A lack of imagination, absolutely, because they're plugged into virtual imaginations that someone else has designed for them just to kind of drip feed into the brain and those kind of things. So you can see why we're tempted to pathologise young people, but actually we're not, we shouldn't be pathologising, we should be acknowledging that this is modern childhood, you know. And again, about things like ADHD. Again, it exists. I absolutely don't disagree with that. But I can see why young people go in and can't concentrate. They can't focus. They can't regulate their emotion. If they've been up to three, four, five in the morning, pinging away, listening to Facebook, you know, or playing a game that stimulates them, of course they're going to present as unsettled, unable to concentrate, can't focus, you know. So again, I think we need to watch that we don't continue to pathologise our children, but more kind of help them to step back and embrace Embrace a kind of a childhood that is a bit more rounded and gives them more opportunity to develop, you know? Yeah, even something as simple as allowing a child to be bored. Absolutely. You know, and again, once upon a time, there would have been no option. You're bored, you can go and find something to do as a child. You were told to go and be creative, to play, to go to your friend's house. Mm -hmm. You know, you had limited options in Mm -hmm. what you could do. Whereas now there's almost a kind of a, you know, a guaranteed entertainer in the form of technology. And I think we must be careful as well, you know, like I mentioned before, I'm a parent, you know, and I, again, my kids don't, they don't rub sticks and chalk together, you know, they've got access to technology <laughs> as well. However, again, it's about, I think we've all been duped into thinking, oh, must have the latest thing, must have the latest thing, we need it, they need it, let's we've, give it to them. We've jumped you know? in full Absolutely. commitment. We've we've committed 100% without actually taking a step back to think, ah, maybe, maybe there's a, a kind of counterproductive kind of argument here, and there's where we're at at the minute. So again, it's about getting the balance right, Andy, isn't it, you know, and kind of thinking, it's less about, you know, boredom per se and just creating space where children can figure stuff out rather than Googling a solution, figuring yeah. it out themselves, you know. Also, yeah, leave them to work it out. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing because often from boredom mm-hmm. or that kind of quiet time, mm-hmm. they will come up with things. But yeah. just learning to be creative yeah. doesn't always happen naturally. No. And again, just kind of back to what I kind of mentioned before, but in terms of kind of evidence, again, the, the evidence has shown us that excessive screen use is actually damaging our brains too, you know. And again, there's a number of kind of sources that you look but um the yeah, journal of I want to say journal of neurology. Sorry, I should be clear about that. We'll maybe add a link in the end. But certainly, the most recent evidence has shown that excessive screen use is actually causing a kind of degeneration in our kind of brain in terms of kind of tissue components and stuff. You know, so our brains, we think we're becoming smarter as a species. 
I don't think we are. Um, we're certainly accessing technology that's potentially smarter than us. But in terms of our ability to kind of humans to kind of to be more intellectual, I think it's decreasing. So we hear talk about digital dementia, you know. Again, when I was a boy, say that a lot. But when I was a boy, I had to remember my mum and dad's phone number. If it got out, got into bother, and it wasn't a mobile number, it was a traditional landline. That number's still locked in there. Children don't need to remember such things now because they can just store it in their phone. And again, even when it comes to academic learning and stuff, you know, they don't they don't learn in the same way um, because they'll just access immediate, you know. And, and yes. you could argue that's not learning, actually. That's just accessing information. Well, we had know? this discussion, didn't we? One of the parents very, very wisely pointed out that when they covered poetry at school, not only would they learn to analyse it, but they'd be asked to memorise it. Absolutely. Oh, sorry. We, we are in school, everybody. Apologies. There may be some, some footsteps bell. going past just now, but that's the bell. Um, yeah, they mentioned that when they did poetry, it mm. wasn't simply an act of analysing mm. it. They had mm. to, to memorise it. Mm. And they felt that that was also a skill that potentially was now, due mm. to technology, not needing to kind of have the same resources that you had once upon a time, yeah. is it, starting to, to fade yeah. away. I think we're skilling young people up to survive and manage in the technical world. And they'll yes. do very good as software analysts and, and, and you know, things that are kind of linked to it. And, Please don't think I'm criticising those career choices. Fantastic, and we need them. But at what cost? You know, I'd much rather have my children be able to engage in social interaction, you know, to kind of get that that kind of positive, um, that positive dopamine release, actually, that we get when we engage with other humans. You know, that's another way of getting a dopamine release without having to kind of engage in Call of Duty or whatever, you know. I'd, I'd much rather my children embraced, embraced the technology, but at the same time had that real connection to kind of humans, which is, which is what we're all about. Yeah. We're kind of and again, driven for, you know. I don't know if you're aware of the, the gentleman, Simon Sinek. So yes. he's, 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 he's driving <clears throat> forward a lot of, uh, ironically, on social media platforms, but mm. he is really a voice. But he's actually appealing to companies. Yeah, yeah. He is appealing to leaders. Mm. He's saying, look, we can't really judge. Mm -hmm. the and, and he rephrases them as the millennials, yeah. but he talks about these young people coming through who have maybe had less ability to resolve conflict, mm. who actually maybe want success instantly. Yeah. They're from that, that generation whereby if it was difficult, they just reset the game mm. and they started mm. again. But he's he's really pushing forward saying there's a lack of social skills. So one we have to yeah. look at as a, as a as a culture, what are we doing that's led to this? But also how are we as those people who are well working in schools or even in companies, employers, mm -hmm. how are we going to manage to work with these yeah, people? Because yeah. we can't just say, well, it's not how we did it, so you're wrong. He says, we have to acknowledge that we're, we're where we are. Yeah. And he's got some fantastic resources. I'll maybe try and put some in the description. Mm -hmm. One of the parents who'd actually been at our meeting sent me one of his uh, his videos that was oh, on social fantastic. media. Yeah. And again, he, he's he's really driving that forward and his, mm -hmm. it's quite emotive, yeah, yeah. the videos he's putting in. I think you make an important point there as well, Andy, about how we how we do move forward. Because again, if we start preaching to children, our young people, kind of, um, they need to be part of this conversation, and we can't tell them. Well, we know it's better. We know it was better before. We do, but we can't tell them that because again, we lose them. Um, and in some respects, it's not. So again, it's about how do we have these conversations with them? Yeah, in terms and of, explain you know, our why. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why do we feel that we need to maybe change? But interestingly, you'll recall when you and I met with kind of some senior pupils just a few weeks ago before we met with the parents. A lot, a lot of them were acknowledging, you know, when we're talking about what impacts upon your mental health, excessive social media use, um, what other people put on social media, the pressure to look and conform to a certain kind of image or kind of stereotype, um, sleep deprivation. They know it. They absolutely know it. But again, back to they know it, but they've got this lovely little addictive device that despite knowing it, it's going to keep drawing them in, you know. So again, we've got to get that balance right. And we've got to, we've got to think with our young people, well, what can we do? How can we take the positives? How can we make this work for you whilst not de -skill? And you kind of moving forward, you know. Yes, I think we have to acknowledge that that phones and other mobile devices are very much here to stay. Oh, absolutely, that's that's not going anywhere. Mm. And if anything, mm. it's only going to get worse. So, mm. how do we prepare mm. 
our young people mm -hmm. for that world where, yeah, they can thrive with technology. Mm -hmm. But as you mentioned it, they have the skills to resolve conflict in the workplace. Yeah. They are able yeah. to articulate in front of our, our hundreds of people yeah. what their presentation's about and why Absolutely. they're here and what why they want you to follow them. Absolutely. You know, we, we, you know we're, we're keen to build leaders. Yeah. We want people who are going to go out and be confident in the yeah. world. Yeah. And, I, and again, these are the big questions that we're discussing it in school. Yeah. And, and I know that a lot of the parents were, were keen to share that discussion yeah. with us. And that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's a good time to mention it now, but you know we can mention that Eugene will be coming back in for another parent information session on the 18th of March, yeah. Monday the 18th of March, and it will be again an after school session starting at six. But that's really going to be looking at sharing strategies for mm -hmm. for supporting young people, mm -hmm. what people are trying, and that's not just from Eugene or myself. We're really keen for parents to come along with ideas, and yeah. we can all share and discuss. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's a good thing about these forums, Andy, isn't it? It's not about experts coming in and kind of preaching to parents. It's more about, because actually I get more from those sessions than they get from me in some respects. Everyone's figuring it out themselves, aren't they? You know, we're in a very unique position in the world where there was no warning, there was no defence mechanism put in place for all this technology. We're just having to figure it out. But I think we're finally in a position where we can figure it out collectively. We can acknowledge that, look, this stuff's bad for mental health, it's bad for emotional health and wellbeing, so what are we going to do about it, you know? And again, rather than weigh in with a complete kind of blanket ban, which is just going to lose this kind of generation, we need to think about what we can do that, that is effective. And lots of parents have got really effective strategies. Which interestingly usually come back to good old traditional kind of you know spending it, yeah. time together, reading books, being it's outside, being with other leading by example. Mm -hmm. That was Absolutely. a big one, you know. Some of the parents spoke about how they'd had to change their behaviours mm -hmm. and they'd made that decision that actually we're going to role model what it is we ask, so we're not going to sit and check our work emails, no. even no. though they arguably that's a valid reason to use your phone. It's yeah. not a distraction as such. But they were saying, you know, <laughs> that's the that's the bell again. It'll be another um, bell. It is a distraction. It's a work distraction, and actually. Pre-phones, would we have done that? No, we'd have probably sat and had a really no. good conversation at dinner. Yeah. No one would have yeah. even considered checking work emails. It's allowed the work-life balance to become skewed as well. And again, oh, totally. parents role modelling what a healthy approach to yeah. that is, is a really positive step. A lot of my work's involved with, well, it's about supporting children's emotional health and well-being, but actually a lot of it tends to be looking at the adults around about the children. And actually, so I work in lots of schools, as you know, but I'm um, going into schools and acknowledging, that, well, actually, if you're sending emails at 10 o'clock at night and you're working at the weekend, how well are you on a Monday morning when you come back to kind of delivering a kind of class? To, you know, so again, there is something about that, about appropriate role modelling, you know, or I'll come in on a Monday morning to emails that were sent over the weekend or sent during the summer holidays and think, well, and these people are parents as well as professionals. So, you know, you need to think about how they're managing their own mental health and wellbeing. And again, I think we've got, we've got a responsibility there. So yeah, we've got a, we've got a, there's no point preaching and then doing the opposite, is there? You know, we've really got to think about how we, how we're engaging. Yeah. Got to role model it. Definitely. Absolutely, absolutely. So exciting times ahead, I'm guessing. It's a real challenge, <laughs> isn't it? But I, keep, I suppose before we end, um, another anecdote, if I will, but I, I kind of mentioned that night with the parents as well, something that kind of blew me away. I was developing a, a presentation on modern childhood, or kind of um, the negative slant side of modern childhood. I was due to deliver it kind of um, in Edinburgh. Before I went, I run a youth club on a Friday night as well, um, just because I'm daft. <laughs> I love it. Um, and these kids are a really good representation of kind of normal kids, as it were, within kind of um, inverted. I asked them, I said, look, I'm, I'm, I've been asked to do a presentation of modern childhood and I've got my own thoughts. I've got to, you know, done my own literature review, I've done my own kind of research and I'm going to present certain things, but I'm not going to tell you what they are. What do you think are the things that impact upon you? The kind of the things that come with current childhood, modern childhood, that impact upon your emotional health in a negative way. 
and they said social media. <laughs> and they said excessive game use, excessive screen use, uh, not connecting with people. You know, all the things that we suspect and see as parents, they know too. They're not daft. We then had a conversation about their childhood and said, well, look, what do you think is different between the life that you're leading now and the life that I led? I'm an old bloke. That was dangerous, Eugene. Mm. But they, it's interesting because they, they had this almost kind of Huckleberry Vin kind of version of, well, your life must have been like this. And it certainly was. Some of it was like that. But they, they talked about a childhood that almost feels like a bit of a ghost, almost a whisper to them. You know, they, they, they're aware of what childhood was and could be. And when I asked them after they described this pretty idyllic kind of childhood, and mine wasn't always like that, you know, because reality is not always like that. But there were certainly components, you know, being outside with friends, going out all the time, you know, coming in when I was hungry, all these kind of things. Kids knew it. Anyway, when I said to them, well, look, given a choice, you know, thinking about everything you've got these days um, and everything that you think I didn't have, which would you prefer? My childhood was the childhood they wanted. Um, and I just thought that was really poignant, you know, and really give me a lot of food for thought. I was very grateful for their feedback. But again, I think we assume that because children have got so much more materialistic stuff these days, they're a whole lot happier. I think they're, they're aching for, in some respects, that kind of that childhood that's disappearing fast and furious, you know. Let's give it back to them. Definitely. Well, yes. Giving them space to, to be adolescents. Mm. Use some creativity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and see just what happens. Be with each other, you know. Yeah. Uh, again, that, that bit about, again, I don't know how you're ha- handling it as a school or intending to handle it, but the more opportunities we can have for young people to actually social interact, you know, not virtually, then, you know, that that's just a great thing, isn't it, you know? So we're doing it in family situations, we're doing it in school situations, we're leading to much more socially um, able young people in the future. Definitely. And, we, and we, are, we are reviewing. Mm. I think that's where we're at. We've not, we've not kind of made a quick decision. But I think we will in the next couple of months, I suppose, be rolling out something to parents to to say kind of this is where we feel we should move forward. This is is, and again, yeah, we want to kind of take in as many parts of the school body to make sure we give that kind of whatever we do roll out. We want it to be right. Absolutely. It has to be. And I guess it's going to be somewhere in the middle of, you know, you're going to have parents who are going to say absolutely no phones, ban all technology. And I get where they're coming from. And then you're going to be those parents um, who will say, well, actually, it's their human right. You know, they're entitled to this. You can't take it away from them. So again, it's about that meeting in the middle. Yeah. And, and, and again, we may we may struggle to get to that point mm-hmm. where we please please everybody. And again, yeah, yeah. I think we've, we've had to kind of be honest with ourselves in that. Yeah. In that if we keep coming back to the fact that what's our goal? Yeah, yeah. And actually our goal is to try and develop a child who develops outstanding social skills yeah. as well as yeah. is comfortable with technology moving absolutely, forward. Absolutely. So that's at the heart of what we're trying to do. So yeah. again, we will continue to review that. And again, there will be something coming out yeah. in the coming months and a bit more information about that. But again, we would encourage as many parents as possible to come along 18th of March. Yeah. Because again, you know, that'd be a really good point to, to gauge mm-hmm. what strategies parents are finding successful. And yeah. actually, you know, the, the hard part is going to be is, is, is there a middle ground? Yeah. yeah. Can we enforce a middle ground? Mm-hmm. Is that possible? Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the big challenge. How do we do that? How is it? managed on a day-to-day basis yeah i think for me it's less about enforcement andy <laughs> <More about you. laughs> that's just me but again you know wouldn't it be in an ideal world having our young people at the same position as we're at where they acknowledge that actually you're right let's agree to move forward in this way because we know it's going to make us happier actually you know yeah. so that's the position we we'll be bringing in eugene to speak with the uh, <laughs> tens and elevens to discuss yeah, that absolutely. one in person i'll, I'll happily yeah. sit back a little bit to enforce that. um well yeah. i think but i think we say enforce but i think there's going to be some who yeah we've given full access to everything yeah. that the, the technology has to offer and actually what we're all kind of moving towards is saying well hold on we need to 
bring this back a little yeah, bit. Yeah. They're not going to like it. No. And actually, we're going to have to put some sort of framework in place to help them do it. They won't necessarily love that process. Mm-hmm. But actually, if I were, you know, we've talked it before, sometimes as parents, and especially when it comes to mental health or other things, we have to maybe say, well, actually, what's best here? Yeah. Let's step in and give yeah. them some space. But yeah. if a young person is addicted to their phone, yeah. you know, an outright ban is not going to be comfortable or even saying you cannot use your phone between these timeframes. Mm-hmm. They're not going to like that. But mm-hmm. actually, if again, if it comes back to that, mm-hmm. that key goal of developing a well-rounded person, mm-hmm. potentially the, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, maybe enforcement was a, yeah, a harsh term, but no, giving them the infrastructure yeah, yeah. to yeah. do it, the Absolutely. support to do it. Absolutely. And I guess that's the challenge for yeah, us, knowing yeah. that some will not. But again, the younger ones coming through who may be used to less technology, mm-hmm. if we can create a world where they're not getting as much technology, mm-hmm. they've never had full access from a young age, yep. actually they won't know any different. And Absolutely. again, maybe that will lead to yeah, yeah. the well-rounded young person who's outstanding with technology as well. I think for me, it's about pointing this out to young people as well, isn't it? You know, I noticed that in the past few days when you haven't had access to technology that actually you've been much happier (laughs) and that um, I've noticed you're playing with your friends in a way that you weren't doing before. So again, pointing these things out and reinforcing it's our kind of responsibility as well. But yeah, excellent. Brilliant. Well, um, thank you very much, everybody, for doing it. And thank you, Eugene. Welcome. For coming along. Again, your support is hugely appreciated within St. Leonard's. And yeah, I hope we can see as many people as possible on March the 18th. And if not, Eugene and I will get together and we'll share some of the key points raised. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you, Eugene. Thank you. Thank you.